This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted Pride of West London mini-pod. And we're up for the cup. We beat Borough in the cup. We're in the hat for the next round. But we need to concentrate on the league. And we've got Bristol City, a game that was rearranged after being called off just before the FA Cup match. We talked about that quite a lot on the Pride of West London podcast. So check that out on prideofwest.london. But we thought, Bristol City coming down. Let's find out what they're all about. My name's Billy Grant. And I talked to Paul from the Exiled Robin blog and podcast. And he's going to tell us all about Bristol City. This was actually recorded before the FA Cup match. So it might be a little bit dated, but I think most of the information there is totally and utterly relevant. Paul, how are you doing? And happy new year. Yeah, happy new year to you, Billy. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Very good. Just coming back to, you know, Bristol City, I mean, we're exactly halfway through the season well after this match anyway and Bristol City you started well but your season seems to have sort of tailed off a little bit I mean how's your season been for you? Yeah I think it summed it up pretty well we started with four wins a new, new coach obviously in Dean Holden after Lee Johnson was uh, was sacked at the end of last season um, promised us front foot attacking football eyes forward you know press bringing in the young players and um, we started. Yeah, we started. Okay, we had four four wins. I think we had enough three defeats and another three wins. So we were flying after the sort of first ten games. Um, but yeah, it's fallen away a little bit, and it's difficult to pin your sort of pin down exactly why. It's a bit, bit of a school of thought, I think, that we're coming to all sort of more where we actually really deserve to be, and we had a, actually had a bit of luck at the start of the season, or a bit of uh, you know, we had a couple of games where. Your old man, Mr. Bentley, had an absolutely outstanding game and kept us in it, and we managed to scrape scrape wins. Um, we had a couple of times, yeah, a couple of times we maybe got a little bit, a little bit fortunate, but we you know, we work hard as a team. Normally, we, we battle hard, but we've just we just fallen away, and I'm, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about it more in a bit. We've, we've got so many bad injuries at the moment; it's really affecting us. And uh, I think at the moment we're pretty much playing the same eleven almost every week. And you've heard so much from the different clubs about how hard it is playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Wednesday, whatever it might be. We're doing that pretty much now. 13, 14 senior pros every single week and more and more of them are getting injured every single week unfortunately so it's it's a tough tough gig at the moment Exactly the same thing for us so we've got the rotation game at the moment now and you know Thomas Frank came for quite a bit of flack actually for his a lot of his team selections and maybe when we got the results that we well we got some results that we, we were thought that we could have done a little bit better but as we come into December we realise that his team selection has been probably spot on because the rotation he said at one stage I'm going to have to make some hard decisions which means that he's had to actually leave out players that maybe he felt that he should have played in games which would 
you know, probably got us the three points. So I think he's put in particular teams and we've actually gone in and maybe kind of eked a point out of it, whereas maybe we should have got three points. But I think part of the reason why is we're going on the rotation front and we've just had to do that. And, you know, we've come into sort of Christmas time and, you know, we've had injuries, but looking at other teams, it's probably not been as bad. But just coming back to what you were saying about, you know, your managers, Lee Johnson, I mean, obviously we know him very well. You know, he's had a bit of beef with Brentford as well, if I remember uh, a few years ago. I mean, he wasn't really happy about quite a few things with us. But anyway, he spent... He hasn't been for most times. He spent quite a few years with you. I mean, I, he left in the summer. I mean, you obviously hadn't done what the club expected um, him to do with you. Was it time for him to go? Yeah, I think it was. Um, I think he'd been there sort of nearly four years and we progressed each season before that, before last year. We sort of moved slightly closer, slightly closer. Um, but it seemed like it was starting to come apart a little bit. The, the style had changed somewhat. We'd gone from a quite a high-energy, high-pressing team to more of a sit-in and counter-attack team, which led to some quite drab performances at home, um, which unfortunately carried on this year a little bit. And yeah, I, I, we came back after lockdown we were seventh going into lockdown two points off sixth place and you know the, the kind of almost a joke at the time was let's win our first game back because if it's seasons all called off again after that first week back for you know for, for, for virus reasons or at least we're in six and we can get in the playoffs and we just well we didn't come back at all we we lost three in a row that put us well out of the playoff picture the board realized we weren't going to get to the playoffs at that point and actually thought well we may as well get rid now um it's a particularly woeful home defeat to our Rivals Cardiff, which uh, was, was the one that pulled the trigger in the end, and it just he over four years you're probably away. He went on long, long winless runs. He went on long winning runs, four, five, six in a row sometimes, but he also went on long winless runs. And you can only have so many of them, I think, before people start to get a bit questioning as to why you can't, why you can't get out of that rut, why you can't do something to inspire the players or change something to make it work. And yeah, we were on a really poor run from middle of February right through to the end of the season. And yeah, I think it was time to go and he went with the thanks and the blessing of most fans which I think is always a good indicator that there wasn't outrage but there was thanks for him for the job he'd done so you probably felt it was the right time because he hadn't turned fans against him in such a bad way that they were delighted he'd gone if you know what I mean it's interesting because you talked about his runs. I mean, Streaky Lee, as they called him as well, because he used to go on lots of streaky runs. And yeah. he was there's a bit of a parallel between him and our manager at the time, Dean Smith, because Dean Smith was Streaky Dean as well. He used to go on periods where we literally couldn't win a game or we'd win one game in 10 or 11 or 12. Or I remember there's one when we won about two in 21 or 22, I think it was. And then all of a sudden we flipped it and then we went on runs where we kind of couldn't lose games as well. So there was a difference or a similarity in Streaky between Lee Johnson and um, and Dean Smith. But the interesting thing, what Brentford did, and like I said to you, I mean, it is my club, so I, I'm, I'm a bit rose-tinted about it as well. But, you know, we do know quite a lot, you know, about how our club runs, is that I think Matthew Benham, the owner, saw that there were flaws in, in Dean Smith's management. He thought he's a good manager, he's a good man manager, he's, he's a good coach in certain ways, and, but he's got also certain, maybe, flaws in, in his, uh, in, in his armour, chinks in his armour. So I need to sort of kind of throw somebody else in there to, uh, to help him out. And that's when he actually brought Thomas Frank in from, uh, from Denmark to actually become part of his coaching team and just sit there and kind of watch and see what's happening and uh, help him out in certain tactical areas. So Thomas Frank was actually sitting there for two years before he actually became manager, kind of throwing in his tactical nails and also learning the, the British game so that if Dean Smith ever did leave, which he was going to eventually do if he was ever successful, you know, Thomas Frank could slip straight in. So maybe that's something that Bristol City might have, uh, you know, if Lee was 
a half decent manager, but just need a bit of help. You know, I don't know whether or not he's the kind of person that probably wouldn't have accepted somebody coming no, in and no. working beside him. Oh, yeah, part of the issue. He had his own men in. Um, well, Dean Holden, one of them, and Jamie McAllister, and it was very much felt like it was very much his show. And I think there was a lot of feeling that they're all quite inexperienced as management coaching team, and they could have probably done with someone with some different ideas to challenge. But yeah, it didn't happen. And um, you know what? What we didn't do, and yeah, you, know, you guys have done it, and Bournemouth have now done it. Appointed their assistant, but probably knew before the manager left they were going to appoint their assistant. We took six weeks over that decision, and then decided we were going to appoint them a bloke who'd been in the number two seat all the time. And it just it seemed a bit strange for a club that's supposed to be aiming for sustainability and well structured and running to trying to run a model not dissimilar to yourselves to take six weeks to decide to appoint their assistant manager. And I think points to a few cracks maybe at the top of the club in terms of exactly where we wanted to be and where we wanted to go. Yeah, and, and Dean Holden, I mean. It was a bit of a surprise appointment, as we said. It was always when the manager goes, there's always like names being banded around. Um, were you a bit disappointed when he came in? Because from what I could feel, I thought the, the City fans weren't overly enamoured at the time, were they? No, I think it's, uh, if, you know, if, if they'd said, if they said immediately, right, do you know what? We're going to have low income this year. There's no crowds in. The budget's going to be low. We want Dean Holden to come in and take us on from where we've been immediately. I think most fans would have grudgingly accepted that. But they took, say, they took six weeks about it. We were tossed to sort of names like Chris Hutton in and around the mix about, you know, might be able to come in and, and do a job for us and the, the excitement around what, what that might mean for us. And then it, it seems they talked about needing three rounds of interviews. And, you know, they interviewed the final three on a number of occasions. You're, like, you're thinking, well, why do we need to interview a bloke who's been sitting next to the manager for three years that often to understand what he's about? It just, just seemed a bit strange. I said, I think if it had been quick... And given a really solid reason, most fans would have grudgingly accepted. And they've accepted him as a bloke, as a person. Um, but I think what we have seen in our recent run is as soon as there's a re- losing run, people are going to start questioning his inexperience and his ability, which is understandable for a you know, fresh fresh new manager. Yeah, I mean, and you talk about inexperience. Obviously, he is inexperienced. And um, obviously, City hasn't got to where they are at the moment now. And you feel that you need a fresh injection. I mean... Have you seen any sort of kind of fresh ideas? Has, it, has he brought anything to the team which has been different to before, which you thought, actually, I can see that working maybe over a longer period of time? Yeah, I think first 10 games, certainly. Uh, we were we were more attacking. We were more on the front foot. We played a bit more pace. We were we were notably, when we when we broke the ball, we were not, notably getting five or six players forward and in and around the box. And we haven't been doing that for about 18 months. Um and that was really noticeable and we were doing well. I think what's partly happened is the injuries have meant we've we've lost players like Andy Wyman um, and Jamie Patterson who started in central midfield for us this season. Um, we haven't really got a creative hub now in midfield. We've got one wing back on each side who's not injured. So the wing backs are absolutely knackered and struggling to get back and forward all games. And I think we just haven't really got that that energy and that fitness and that ability in the squad now to play in quite that way. What he's done is he's taken a step back and said, right, let's be tough. Let's be hard to beat. Let's try and keep a clean sheet and snatch a goal from a from a set piece or on the break and play that way instead. And, you know, it's not working as well as we'd like at the moment. This season and over the last few seasons, City, they've not been shy in splashing the cash. I mean, but I've got to ask you the question because to me, it seems that they spent a lot of money. They've bought a lot of players. You've got quite a big wage bill. And you've, you've, you know, you've gone for it. Do you think you spent well and then... And who are these big players that you bought in? These expensive players. Um, I think we spent well in patches. Um, I think we spent a lot of money in places not. Um, someone made a point the other day when we lost to Luton. Yeah, our centre back cost more than our, their entire side, and then 
you know, they're outplaying us, I and mean, that's that's a worrying sign. Thomas Callas is a big signing. Callas came in for eight million. He's our captain. Solid championship experience performers got promotion two or three times. So you think worthwhile spending the money? Um, I think what we've done in the last year is got an older side. So we brought in Chris Martin in the summer. We've got Naki Wells who came in and very expensive, I imagine, in January, which was just pre-Corona on a very big wage, I'm sure, and a big contract. Um, I and mean, what we've we have spent a lot, but we yeah we've offset our sales as well. We saw Adam Webster for twenty million, Josh Brownhill for nearly ten, Bobby Reed for ten million. Um, so we've we've done our fair share of selling like like you guys for big money and in reinvested that in the squad um unfortunately we haven't reinvested in players who were as good as josh brownhill and bobby reed and, and people like that and that's certainly starting to to show now we've got my view of our squad is we've got a very similar looking squad of similar type players we've got a lot of runners a lot of hard workers a lot of people who can do a solid job on a regular six six and a half out of teners there's not many who have an eight very often, if you know what I mean. There are not many who sort of inspire a game and are outstanding in what they do. And we've got a very, we've got a lot of average mid-table to top six-ish players without having those three or four superstars who can really propel you to that next level. And I think despite the money we spend, we haven't got that player. We haven't found that player to really do that yet. It's interesting you say that because I mean you you look at your side and you see players like Narky Wells who's like I said he's our, our nemesis he seemed to score against us for QPR for Huddersfield we're like oh no not him again you know you have got Jamie Patterson who was rumoured to, to be joining Brentford a few years ago you have got Famara Daidu as well obviously Chris Martin <laughs> old school Chris Martin who we've known from years ago when he was playing for what's it Derby County and um, well the F word as well for Fulham as well um, Andreas Wyman you know Antoine you know, Semenya you've got XB Alfie Mawson who I know is injured I think he is as well and also XB Dan Bentley as well I mean you've got a lot of players here who you look at paper you think they're quality players okay okay I know you've got a few injuries but as you said they don't seem to be gelling what, what is it, the issue because surely somebody should be able to pull aside like that together and fire you into the top six yeah I think I think and again Without dwelling too much on the injuries, I think if we had our first team available, mostly, we'd be doing a lot better. I mean, you look, you look at that list. Alfie Mawson's come in and played two games and out for the season, pretty much. Um, Stephen Sessignon came in from Fulham, got a hamstring injury. We haven't seen him since September. Andy Wyman's got his first serious injury. His career is out for the season. Um, we've got, we brought Joe Williams in from Wigan, who's a really good combative midfielder. Um, he, he, we, we literally signed him. We haven't, he hadn't trained a single day with an injury. Um... Jamie Patterson's been out now for about six weeks. Callum O'Dowd is out for three months. We are we are struggling. You know, we've got we got six, seven, we got twelve people who would be in our first team squad out injured in long term injuries right now, and that's going to affect anyone, I guess. And Naki Wells, he's not he's not really been firing. He's he gives the impression of not really wanting to be here. I think he quite liked QPR in London, and I've we've never quite sensed he's fully bought into the whole thing here. He was just sold because Burnley wanted to sell him at the time. Um, Chris Martin's great solid pro but he's not going to score 20 goals a season neither's from Ardiju he's shown that over they're both good at getting 10-12 goals a season they're not going to sort of score the mega goals um, but yeah I think the main problem is Jamie Patterson's our really only truly creative player in a skillful finesse you know cultivated way and when he's out he doesn't always fire he's, he's a good player on his day he doesn't always fire and they say he's been out injured for six weeks and it's really really shown our our shots on target record over the last 12 13 games are absolutely shocking you know it's really really low we're just not creating the chances you've played everybody bar brentford this season so far just asking you interestingly which teams 
have impressed you and, and, and what players out there might have impressed you? Um, so I think the main one for us was Norwich. We played them at home and they, they tore us apart at the back. Um, Buendia and Puki were brilliant that day. You know, we know all about them anyway. They're obviously very good quality for this level. Um, I think Bournemouth, when we played, and we, we were actually quite good in the first half. We got on the front third and attacked them and they were, but they came out of the second half and they were a bit like a caged tiger. They really came forward and um, really went at us and, you know, deserved a win that day. Um I think, yeah, Norwich are the main ones I think we've really seen that have been outstanding. And Middlesbrough did a job on us, a very typical Neil Warnock job. Came in and sat in and were nasty to play against and tight and didn't allow us space. And you can see you can see why they get victories. But yeah, yeah, so Norwich were the outstanding ones, really. Um, having not played Brentford, we always struggle against Brentford. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll come to that in a minute as well. For us, interestingly, because... Um, I think the best side that we've played so far this season, that's actually Bournemouth, who we played a couple of days ago as well. I mean, the first 15 minutes, they, you know, they came at us and we thought, you know, we thought we're not going to survive. But we managed to kind of come out of that after going 1-0 down. And like I said to you, we won that game 2-1. But, you know, it was a perfect game plan as well that we had with Bournemouth. You know, we, we kind of, you know, saw it out, you know, drawing until, what's it, 60 minutes, you know. And then, you know, we're getting the goals, getting the late goal, bringing on the substitutes, yeah. you know, letting them come at us as they did, which is what we love. So... But to me, I still say Bournemouth were great. They had some great forward play. They had some brilliant interplay between their players, getting it out and sort of kind of ripping our defence apart as such. So that was a big, big lesson for us. But other than that, I mean, Norwich, I have to admit, you know, they were lucky with us. They got a last-minute sort of equaliser with a deflected goal. And uh, they were kind of hanging on because we should have we should have beaten them. Um, Stoke City, you know, they were they were tough against us. We found them quite tough. Um, Preston, we were 2-0 up at half-time. They beat us 4-2. But to be fair, I think they had us well beaten. That's back in September when we just lost Norgard and we were still trying to find a way around the midfield. But they were all right. And I thought Blackburn, um, in the beginning as well, they were quite lively. And they gave us a few problems, even though they got a man sent off. So we, you know, we were 2-1 up and we should have really won that game. But Blackburn were, you know, Blackburn were all right. But for me, me, Preston, and this is the irony, are the team other than um, other than Bournemouth for the team that have actually sort of pressed, impressed me so far this season. Yeah, we had a good game against Blackburn. We came out winners actually, but it was a good game and they were clearly a threat and Armstrong up front was a big, a big threat. Um, I think genuinely, and I'm not, I'm not trying to sound like one of these sort of idiot fans who doesn't give anyone else any credit, but when we've lost games, we've just, we've just been poor, you know? We've actually probably face better side than 1-1-0 one, one, we actually got we got battered by Nottingham Forest we got battered a bit by Cardiff and managed to get away with a 1-0 for a great great defensive performance so they're probably teams that have stood out a little bit for us um, but when we've lost it's generally we've just been really really poor and yeah some of that you can put down to your position of course always but um, yeah there's no there's no one I've said no apart from Norwich I'd say no one who's been that, that outstanding and shown it but um, say <laughs> we have bad memories of a year ago uh, this time and uh, we're a bit, bit worried I think of what we might see that's right but listen you, you're only five points off the flag let's you know to be honest you're only five points off the flag so what do you think you need to do to get yourselves back in the race we need Jimmy Patterson back or we need to sign someone or bring Casey Palmer back from loan and I'm not, I'm not a big Casey Palmer fan personally I think he flatters to deceive and is one of these classic skillful players who has a load of tricks and things up his sleeve but doesn't really perform and do it but we need something we need something in our midfield to just give us a spark and give us give us some creativity and give forward something to feed off so we need to do something there um i mean i'll, I'll be honest if everyone was fit i wouldn't say we needed any particular position filling apart from that one we've got a really solid squad full of backup and good players but with so many injuries 
wing backs, we need some cover at wing backs. We've got Jack Hunt and Tommy Rowe have been playing wing back now twice a week for, for a month. Um, they're both, if not 30, close to over 30, close to 30. You can see they're starting to struggle. You can see they're physically starting to not be able to get up and down enough. So we need some cover in there. And we've got no one else really in the squad to, to do that. Um, and we we need Lucky Wells to fire. Because I say, Martin and Dijo aren't going to score those goals. Semenyo is a great prospect, but isn't scoring the goals yet. We need Lucky Wells to really go on a, a run this side of Christmas and you know score 10 in 12 or something like that to really get us firing and get us going. But yeah, maybe that goes back to the first point about not having that creativity and not having those chances created for him in the way that he'd typically expect and the way he's had at other clubs during his career yeah so listen we're going to be coming on and talk about the Brentford game in the middle but first of all as you know at Brentford we like our stats we like our facts and we're going to go over to Jonathan Birchall because he's going to give us a few stats he's going to give us a few facts and he's going to give us a bit of funk this is what JB has got to say Hello, Jonathan Birchall here again. Firstly, congratulations to Thomas Frank on winning the Manager of the Month award. It's our fourth since we've been in the Championship. Mark Warburton won it in November of our first season, Lee Carsley in October 2015, and last season Thomas was the first ever winner of a June award. In fact, since football recommenced following the Covid break in March, Thomas has won two of the six awards, the games predominantly played behind closed doors. And just a quick look back to the game with Tottenham. Our starting eleven was one of the strongest we could field, and was the same eleven that we had for the Watford game three weeks earlier. Unfortunately, in both games, we ended with ten men. The FA Cup win over Middlesbrough saw a number of firsts. Our first FA Cup tie behind closed doors, the first Brentford goals for Godos and Dervisoglu, and with Lewis Gordon, Finn Stevens, and Alec Gilbert taking their places at kickoff, it was the first time in a competitive first team match that three current players from the B team were in the starting eleven. So there you go, JB, Jonathan Birchill, with a bit of funk and facts. You like a bit of funk, don't you, Paul? Not so sure about funk. I like a bit of chunk after a year of lockdown and barbecues and a, and a lockdown Christmas, that's for sure. I need to uh, kick into January a little bit and uh, lose some of that, lose some of those lockdown pounds, I think, and get, get rid of some of the chunk. Okay, JB brings the funk, you need to lose the <laughs> chunk. Yeah, that's how it goes in the West Country, as they say. But listen, the Brentford match is coming up. And... Uh, Brentford have a, have a fairly decent record, I'd say, against City. I mean, 12 times we've played since 2009, and City have won once, and that was 1-0 at Griffin Park when, I'm not being funny, it was one of the most undeserving 1-0s ever. I remember you I remember you calling me, I think, after the game, and you were saying, oh, my God, I don't know how we won that game 1-0. Yeah. Um, you remember that one, don't you? Yeah, yeah I do. And there's also uh, there's a tool draw that we scored in the 96 minute or something and, and stole a draw, and we've been absolutely... Battered all game as well, yeah. And we've uh, we, we struggled, I think, against you, safe to say, in the last few years. We managed to get away with it a couple of times, but um, yeah, wary about what, what tomorrow might bring us for sure. And yeah, you're clearly a good side, you're one of the best in the league, you're a good attacking prowess, and uh, it's not the sort of opponent we need to be facing right now, to be honest. No, I mean, we've, we've won seven times out of that 12, you know, like I said to you, you know, 12 times you've only won once. 
personally, I actually don't believe in historical form guide because I think each season it's a different team, everything's different, differently set up. But there's a bit of a strangeness in the fact that you know we've you've only won once out of twelve. So do you think that there's something in it? Do you think maybe psychologically your team every time that you meet Brentford that something might you know just goes really wrong, just similar to us with playoffs? Yeah, I don't know. We lose them all. Yeah, we're, we're, I mean, we're the same with playoffs as well. It's a strange one because. I would say yourselves and Preston, we've been at a similar level at now for the last three, four, five years, you know, over the years. And we've got a dreadful record against you both. We just can't beat either of you. And it's really strange. How, you're not, it's not as if you've been that much better than us in most seasons in terms of positions or in terms of... Yeah, but, you, yeah, we just struggled to, to play against you. I think we always struggled against Ollie Watkins. Um, you know, good for us that he's not there anymore. But obviously you've replaced him quite nicely with Ivan Tony this year. And uh, a player we were linked with quite a lot last year, actually, a year, 18 months ago. So it'll be interesting to see how he how he does against us. Um, but now I think yeah. it's it's strange because the typical sides we tend to struggle against are the big physical Warnock, yeah, Preston Warnock type sides who who don't give us an inch and close us down and and yet we also then struggle against yourselves who pretty much play the you know some of the best sort of passing and quick attacking football in the league. So it's a bit of a paradox there in some ways. Yes, I mean we're coming into this game. In, I have to say, in brilliant form. I mean, we're top of the form charts, you know, if you look at it over 10 matches. Away from home, I mean, we are absolutely top. We are, we are brilliantly away at home. At home, actually, to be fair, we're not as good. I think we've had too many draws at home and we started a little bit slowly, but we are 16 matches unbeaten. I mean, you know, we're playing City, you know, looking at your team, you know, you are good at attacking down the wings, you know, you you come back from losing positions, you're you're very good at protecting the lead, you know, where you are poor, though, is that, you know, stopping your opponents from creating chances, you know, from defending set pieces, which you're very poor, and also like defending against long shots, so it's an interesting battle there, you know, I'm just wondering, you know, looking at Brentford, how are you going to sort of kind of deal with our team, which you know, you know quite a lot about? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I think we've got to, you know, stop the the feed. I think what we've what we've done well this season, we've actually taken the lead in eight games and won all eight. So as you sort of said, protecting the lead, absolutely spot on. We're we're very good once we get ahead. I think unfortunately what we've done too often is concede early goals. And yeah, I think the worry against a side like Brentford who will come at you is that's always a threat. Um I think, you know, it depends obviously who you play. You know, we know we've had a bit of rotation, you know, yeah, we're not quite sure necessarily who's going to play all the time. And especially with uh, you know, the games you've got coming up, that might be uh, you know, something that plays a part. But we've struggled against Sergio Canos, certainly, and I'm worried about him you know, playing wide against our, our full-backs. Um, Josh De Silva always seems to play well against us. And defensively, you're strong as well. My, my worry is, I think, in, in Jansen and Dalsgaard and Pinnock, you've got defenders who can cope with what... Chris Martin has to offer, certainly, and Dijou. Maybe Naki Wells is that one with a bit of pace to get in behind the full-backs and, and get around them. It might be, uh, might be the way through for us tomorrow. Uh, might be the way we can do something a bit different. Um, I think in midfield, you're, you're just stronger than us, yeah, ultimately, and you have probably been for a few years, and that's where we're struggling. Um, I can see us packing three into midfield, and making it quite tight. Three runners, three people to get around your players as best possible and try and close down the space. Um, and saying stop the feeds to the to the attacking players, uh, I think we've got to do that because if we sit back against you and try and soak it up, we're not going to do it. We're not going to succeed. I don't think. And it's interesting you talk about that, and especially you talk about the midfield because that is the place where the I think the question mark is going to come with the rotation. As we get, you know, like with you, 
Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Saturday. And like I said, Thomas Frank, I said earlier, has been rotating the team fantastically. So, you know, he's keeping players really fresh. And, you know, in a way, we don't actually know who's going to be playing from game to game. Also, we've got a very big game on Tuesday night, which is the Tottenham um, League Cup semi-final game. Now, the interesting thing about going into this game is that there's almost like there's no pressure. Normally, when you go into cup matches, you can feel the pressure. You can feel the pressure on the team. You know, who's going to play, who's not going to play. But it's almost like we've always these League Cup games. We've made them such a second priority for us that you kind of almost feel that you're going to go into every game playing a B team, which we have done. So, so far, we've actually played a second string team pretty much. And this is all due respect to the players who have played. But, you know, it's not a full strength side at all that we played in these games. We managed to get results. So we thought we might be going into the Tottenham game with a full strength side for the first time ever but however you know um, Josh De Silva he got injured against uh, uh, Bournemouth the other day so the chances are that he may sit out this one and may play the Tottenham game so again our midfield might look a little bit different um, Norgard is back who's a great player but you know he's played a few little bit part roles and he didn't play again against Bournemouth so whether or not he comes back against you or we save him against Tottenham um, but Janel has been a player who we bought for I don't know 50p in the summer and he literally went under the radar and he came out and when Norgard was out it took him a few games to get under games under his belt but he has been a revelation he's the guy in the midfield who's breaking up the play he flies into Cardiff we played Cardiff the other day and they just gave him a kick him in the end of the second half they just they couldn't take it anymore so they just started to just kick him just just kick him down and <laughs> jiu-jitsu and all sorts of stuff was going down so it, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see how he really if he does play he kind of you know controls the game so it's going to be a really really interesting one but for Brentford compared to last season you will see we're a very different Brentford team we're, we're more balanced I'd say we're still defensively tight but we're giving away a lot less silly goals and, and balls in midfield. I mean, last season we lost a quarter of our games 1-0. You know, so creatively we're not as flary as, as we are last season. Doesn't mean we haven't got the flair players, but, you know, we had the Ben Ramas, Ollie Watkins doing his thing, Bumo was doing his thing. You know, we're creatively probably a, a little bit more boring this season, but at the same time we're kind of chiselling out the results. and. Yeah games that we were getting losing last season which we probably shouldn't have done we were actually drawing or maybe even winning so um it's going to be an interesting matchup between the two isn't it it will it will be i mean one one thing to note is three years ago we were on a two-month unbeaten run just played top of the table just got through to the league cup semi-finals and we were second in the league and it just the the parallels between where you are and where we were three years ago look quite strong and we, um unfortunately we fell away really badly and partly because we weren't rotating so it's interesting to say what you say about the cup games we were playing the same players most weeks and it, it, it really really hit us in February especially in March and we completely fell away so hopefully you can uh, can keep up but no it should be, it's, it's always uh, there's always something happens in these games it's very rarely a dull, dull sort of nil-nil affair so it'll be interesting to see what happens um, and I guess at some point we've got to break that run again this year and we've got to break our losing run at the moment and uh, I said we, we, sorry we beat Wickham on Boxing Day but we almost forgot about that because it was quite a scrappy scrappy win against bottom of the league but um, yeah we've not been in great form and but yeah one day Naki Wells will fire one day we'll create something with our wing backs and you know maybe it will be tomorrow we can get something uh, something against you but there's not a lot of hope around uh, BS3 unfortunately right now okay so listen Paul I'm going to have to ask you to give us a score prediction I always hate saying we're going to lose, but I think given the form, I've got to say we're going to lose. I will hope it's a nice, tightest 2-1 good game. I'll be honest and say I've actually had a couple of quid on 4-0 and 5-0. That's how that's how low we're feeling right over here in Bristol right now. Um, so I thought I'd at least ease some of the pain if we get hammered by you again. At least I can uh, 
put 50 quid in my back pocket and, and make the most of it. But no, I'll go for a I'll go for a 2-1 Brentford win. Okay, all right. Okay, so okay, and I'm going to go. I'm not going to put any money on this because uh, I don't do that sort of thing. But I'm going to go 2-0 to Brentford just because we are on on great form at the moment now, and, and we need to continue this. And this is the kind of game that we would win in this position would normally lose. But I just think that we actually may just play the the game that we normally play and we're still very 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 serious about it and we're very professional and fingers crossed we get the result that we want to but listen Paul it's been great having a lovely New Year's chat to you like I said to you I'm literally looking at the sea out there so I'm, I'm feeling very zen I'm feeling very sort of kind of cool and I know that you're feeling very 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 cool yourself in South um, well South Wales as it is well, as well yeah. so listen Fingers crossed that you have a great day as well. Hopefully, we'll, uh, we'll get a case because I know that you wanted to really come down to our new stadium. And if you did, we would have caught up for a beer today, yeah. had a bit of a drink. You come down to our new stadium, we would have gone to the game together. But that hasn't happened. And uh, the last time I saw you, like I said to you, was about what, two years ago in, in Russia, in, uh, in in Moscow Airport, remember, <laughs> yes. when you sort of kind of just say, hello, you're Billy, aren't you? Which is, uh, which, which is quite, <laughs> which is quite oh. strange. That was, a, that was quite a good sort of yeah. few weeks yeah, spent, not. actually. Yeah, I look forward to next summer. I look forward to you tapping me on the shoulder in Moscow or you know Hungary airport or any airport around the world actually so uh, fingers crossed because when you do that we know the world's got back to normal but the light is at the end of the tunnel but anyway listen great chatting to you Paul great thank you everybody for listening to the Besotted Pride of West London mini pod you can catch us on besotted.com for all the stuff we've got an articles you know we've got a preview article by Ian Westbrook which is up there on besotted.com as well but let's concentrate on Bristol City first hopefully we're going to get a result and let's enjoy the game nice one Paul talk to you soon so that was Paul from the Exiled Robin giving us the lowdown on Bristol City for the game this week Make sure that you check us out on besotted.com. Check us out on all the socials. Give us some likes. Give us some reviews. Also, check us out on Kofi, which is besotted.com forward slash beer, where you can buy us a beer if you like. Thanks very much for your support. We'll be doing a full podcast this week on prideofwest.london, so you can check that out. All I can say after that is, come on, Brentford. Three points, we need it. Come on, you bees. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.